Initializing host playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. It's tax season here in Canada. With the deadline fast approaching, it's time to see how much shit you're losing. <laughs> it's fun for us all. Coming up, Toronto-based instrumental prog band Jaude joins us in a special off-the-meds interview to talk their new EP, Chimera. Plus, symphonic metal project from all around the world, Valkata, joins us to talk about a, the more personal song in their discography. In the Metal News Recap, Mick Mars versus Motley Crue. It's been going on for a bit now, and it just keeps getting stranger. But coming up in a few short moments, I'm excited and cautious to review the big album from this week that came out from one of the biggest metal bands on the planet. All this and so much more. So let's not waste much more time, and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. So in the last episode, if you heard what was going on in the extra to the last episode, I teased that we would be talking about the new Power Wolf album that came out. And that was the plan. But of course, the way of the inattentive Gen Z millennial binge watching any random Netflix show that you haven't seen yet routine kind of kicked in pretty quickly. And so I was forced to push this episode back about a week. And as a result... I did not have a chance to actually cover the Power Wolf album and instead have forced to switch it out. But I will give a spoiler right now. That new Power Wolf, holy shit, if you're into power metal at all, check it out. It's such re such good many wow. I have no other words for it. Go check it out. It, I would say if I had to give a rating for it, though, maybe a 14 out of 15. It's a great album. Maybe not going to convert everybody into a power metal fan, but you never know. It might actually do the trick. Go check it out. But again, because I was forced to switch out to and push the episode back to this week, I had to switch out the Power Wolf review for the review of the rewrapped Metallica album that we got this week. That's right, Metallica released their new album, the 26th, the follow-up to 2016's Hardwired to Self-Destruct. The title being Wired Hard or Running Out of Ideas. That should have been the title, honestly. It's called 72 Seasons, in case you didn't think I was joking for a second, but honestly, Wired Hard is probably the more appropriate title for what we ended up getting. Because it's very similar in many ways to what we had before in the previous album that was put out. Though here, it's pretty obvious these guys forgot to stop writing during their jam sessions because we have 77 minutes of longer songs that more drain on a person's time and patience while listening to the whole thing. Now, to be clear, it is still a good album overall. It's not a terrible album, especially performance-wise. Given that these guys have been around for over 40 years at this point, I am surprised that it's actually sounding as good as it does in terms of the performance. There's very, actually, I would say no performance tricks or production tricks being done here to, to make it sound better. No, this seems like it's doing pretty good for themselves. But of course, it's hard to say if that actually translates live, looking at you, Lars, but doesn't sound like it's an album of guys who are slowly aging out of their career. But 
good performance doesn't necessarily mean that they are better songs. And again, they are way too fucking long for their own good. Now, to be clear, I am not against longer songs. You're talking to a prog head here. I love me some good fucking prog. I mean, shit, even look at some of the music that I've even released up until this point. Trust me, I am not against longer songs. I get it. And even then, if that's not going to convince you, my all-time favorite song of all time is Octavarium by Dream Theater, a 25-minute long epic song. And that should tell you, when I'm complaining about too long songs, yeah, it's because they're too fucking long. I'm sitting here listening to Inamorata, the final track of the album, going, oh my god, is it over yet? I've been here for days. <sighs> it's only been five minutes, dude. Ah! Which is odd for Metallica, if you really think about it. These guys have done this better before. Looking at some of their older material, I mean, longer songs is a big part of what we're gonna get. Master of Puppets, Disposable Heroes, Orion, fucking Orion, and Justice for All, one to live is to die. And if they don't want to look too far back in their old discography as a jumping point for how to review this new album, okay, how about spit out the fucking bone from the last album? The problem here is that this album is basically repetition, 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 repetition for every single song. And most songs blend together so easily because they're all basically same key, similar riffs, similar styles, similar drum patterns, not a whole lot changes from song to song. Not bad overall, I am glad that we got a couple of gems on here, even to this day with a band that has been around for so fucking long, but that's not gonna be enough to save this album. Solid 12 and a half out of 15, it's okay, but if you really are concerned, I would suggest going with the singles first and then weigh the pros and cons of doing a deadly spelunking mission into the rest of the album. Imperial Demonic Beneath the Crimson Eclipse, the debut album from black metal band in Northern Ireland. So here is something that I wanted to talk about when I reviewed this album, when I wrote the review for this album last week, because it was coming out last week. I wanted to talk about how this album doesn't really make any effort to stray too far from the black metal genre which, if you're a black metal fan, is a fucking great thing to hear. But honestly, I think that's one of its biggest downfalls. Now, this is not a bad album by any means. Starting with uh, The Furnace, it roars in with that demonic flavor throughout. The sound, though, doesn't evolve as we keep going into songs like The Path of Night. You know, for all my faults about the sound not evolving, it goes by fairly quickly. It does go by pretty quickly, which is always nice to hear, but even during that time, the reason why it kind of sucks that the sound doesn't evolve is that all of the songs, much like with Metallica, they blend together over time, which is not necessarily the best thing to have for a less than 30 minute album, which is disappointing, especially as I get into the title track towards the end of the album. It Look, it's good pure melodic black metal. Honestly, I wish, I wish listening to this album that these guys would have at least tried to implement a couple of things in there to shake up the album, break up the monotony throughout. Why not maybe uh, add a couple symphonic elements here or there that were not present before to kind of give a bit of air and space. Maybe some occasional stop and fills, some different fills in the drum work. Maybe some dynamic shifts as well. We can get some quieter parts. What can these guys do if they 
moved beyond the true cult and gave us something that we haven't heard before. That is something that I would love to see from these guys going forward, because it's very obvious listening to this album and even hearing in the background, they have the talent to be able to do so. I just really wish that we could hear what they could do. But of course, if you're just looking for pure melodic black metal, yeah, these guys are going to do it pretty good. It's a good debut album from that kind of style. But as far as debuts go, 10 out of 15. I want to see what these guys can do in the future with the talent that they definitely do have. See what they can do to expand upon what they're already doing. Now, I know this is an album that kind of makes my point very clear about what I was talking about with uh, Imperial Demonic. And it's also an album that I know for a fact Colin in the last episode was looking forward to, and with very good reason. Raider Trial by Chaos, another album that came out last week. It's through and through. It is not straying too, too far from the genre that it is having it as, as his home base, but it's a great mix of other genres that helps it stand out a bit more amongst the rest of their protégés. Seriously, again, this is a great example of what I wish Imperial Demonic had done with their style. Not just focus directly on the Imperial Black Metal, or not, not the Imperial, the melodic black metal sound that they were going for, but implement other elements from other styles out there. That's what Raider does so fucking well. Songs like the title track, Rite of Conquest and Labyrinth show clear signs of what genres these guys are a part of. At the same time though, it's impossible to fit these guys neatly inside a single box. Another song, uh, Juggernaut Cerebrovore, is that really what it's called? Oh my god, I love these fucking names. Uh, that song also shows the band's ability to work great with dynamics. Listening to this album, it's very clear these guys are influenced by melodic death metal pretty strongly, along with the thrash metal genre as well. But they combine the two to create something that's different. Thrash metal, death metal, melodic death metal, even a bit of black metal in there for good measure. They combine them into something that is maybe not solely recognizable just from the first note, but it is something that is still going to stand out. You listen long enough and you're going to be able to pick out before even the vocals kick in that, oh, I'm listening to Raider right now. Raider shows you don't have to go so crazy in order to stand out. You can just do something interesting with the elements that are already out there, take those inspirations and combine them to create something that is familiar, but also uniquely theirs. 14 out of 15, Raider has still got it, and I cannot wait to hear what else they come out with in the future. But of course, I want to know what you think. What do you think of this album? Any of the other albums we covered, let me know. I'd love to hear from you in the comments down below, especially on YouTube. That's what the comments are for. I'd love to hear from you on this one. Know what albums I should take a rusty pickaxe to? I mean, take a look at next. Bad albums beware. Request them anytime online, and you can hear your favorites hacked to pieces. I mean, disgust. What Discussed right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Within, within 
Moving on, we are now joined by Oha Cade. He's the guy whose dark symphonic metal you were just hearing a second ago. The song is Paralyzed, and it's from his massive symphonic metal project, Valkada, whose members are large in number and also all over the world. And together, they put together this new song, Paralyzed, which is out now for you to stream and download anywhere that you listen to music. So let's talk more about it with Oha Cade right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. And it's great to have you on the show. I, got, I just got lis- done listening to Paralyzed before coming on here. And holy shit, I was not expecting... <laughs> such fantastic symphonic metal. So before we get uh, further into this, what I like to do with especially new guests is I like to start off by just letting you introduce yourself, introducing the project. Basically, who is Valkata? What is Valkata? So I would describe Valkata as a symphonic slash prog metal collective, and it's a remote project. So all of the music so far anyway has been recorded like remotely online, um, all of the members usually are in a lot of d- different locations and countries. They record all their parts in their home studios. And then we work, of course, with a mixing engineer who puts it all together and uh, makes it sound good. So that's that's kind of who we are. And I am the main composer. So the kind of the main concept and all the lyrics and stuff starts with me. Then it gets passed to the others. They contribute their parts. And uh, that's about it. Yeah. Before we go further into this, I do want to know, like, uh, so who, is, what, what does the cast look like for Valkata? Who's in the band? Um, it's kind of a tough question to answer because there's so many. Because the lineup changes from release to release. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess I would be the only main constant. Sure. Um, but I kind of like to ask different musicians to contribute depending on 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 who I think would fit best better on that particular song or that particular album or whatever. So yeah, yeah, every release is different. But at the current release, um, I mean I could name all the members. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know how you want me to go about it. Well, like who like who was part of Paralyzed, basically? So the lead singers are Stephanie Kyo and Marcos El Pinare. Uh, Stephanie is from a similar project, symphonic metal opera project called Nergard. And she's one of the lead singers in that band. I discovered her, I think it was on Spotify through Instagram, loved her voice. So I just had to have her. And Marcos um, has a YouTube channel where he records a lot of amazing uh, vocal covers um, of lot, lots of different metal stuff, but also pop. Um, so I had to have him. And he does mostly the... Um, the harsh vocals on this song and he also records harmonies for like the choir parts and stuff um and then on guitars we have uh, joao miguel who's really talented chris Calais on bass jonas jonas schultz on drums and nathaniel wokstein on strings and i did some of the synth work throughout the song as well and then lastly jacob hansen who makes the master of the track and he's an amazing talent. He's worked with bands like Flesh God Apocalypse and Amaranth and stuff. So he was a real pleasure to work with too. Yeah. So that's that's that one particular song. 
but each song is kind of different. <laughs> yeah. Like I've noticed that like going through, like after I listened to Paralyzed, I started going through the discography a bit more and found that, yeah, every single one has different artists attached to it. I do like the fact that you got Jacob Hansen on, on this. I love his work uh, with, yeah, as you said, Flesh Cut Apocalypse, uh, Epica especially, holy shit, the dude is a mastermind for yeah. symphonic metal, which I think is a great pairing for this particular topic, but mm-hmm. what, uh, for this particular genre. And when it comes to what you guys are doing, you said it's a symphonic progressive metal uh, affair. And you mentioned to Antichrist Magazine TV that uh, Valkata, based on the Prague part, was based on a story which was told through the debut self-titled album back in 2019. Is that still true of the music going forward? Is Are we seeing a, a our own version of an MCU here? Are we seeing the Valkata symphonic universe? Um... Not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I, that used to be true when I first um, worked on on the story for that album. And when I put it out, I was really all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the more the time went on, the more that I realized that there were other things that I wanted to explore in the lyrics and also personal stuff I wanted to put in the lyrics. So it just didn't really work to try to force all these characters and stuff on all that. So I definitely want to revisit that world of Valkata. Um, so it might just be a little mix, like so some songs might not really necessarily have those literal characters, but I think it's definitely cool to have more of a sequel to the initial album where I do like a literal story with the characters interacting with each other again. Yeah, maybe. But for now yeah. you're enjoying the, just bringing in some more like personal lyrics into the into the mix rather than trying to compose an entire story around the music. Right. And, and that's part of the reason why this song has really one lead vocalist, whereas a lot of our previous songs would have would have had multiple. So Stephanie would be the, the main lead vocalist because the, the lyrics are more personal. I thought it would be better to have just one voice for that. And Marcos contributes sort of the darker layer of that with his with his growls. That's pretty fair. Now, when it comes to, uh, seeing as you are the main composer for this, uh, for this project, where do most of your influences come from for the music? Um, a lot of metal. Um, I listen to a lot of metal and a lot of pop music um, because I know that you mentioned that we were going to talk about our, our influences and I, I thought about it and something that I don't really mention much is that I listen to a lot of pop music because there's certain pop music that has a lot of metal traits in it. Um, there's an artist that I've been listening to recently called Rina Sawayama. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she has a lot of really cool metal-oriented tracks. They've been inspiring me a lot lately. But overall, like I'm really just inspired by a lot of the typical like symphonic metal bands such as Epica, Nightwish. Um, I love uh, prog metal such as Dream Theater. I also love a lot of avant-garde metal such as Unexpect and Diablo Swing Orchestra. Um, those bands, huge influence on me, especially with this new song, I'd say. I think it has a little bit of avant-garde flair to it. Um, that's that's about it, and of course, to more typical heavy metal bands like Metallica. Um, I could go on. I, like, I just love it all, really. Oh yeah, I mean, metal has especially a lot of places you can come from, but I do like the fact that you're bringing in a completely different genre into your influences. Because yeah. I know, I know, for many bands, bringing in just one genre usually doesn't yield the best results. I find. No, no, definitely not. Because then you get stuck in a rut of hearing the same stuff over and over again, and there's no inspiration. You know, there's there's 
there's no refreshment in your mind of of different tastes. So it's good to hear stuff that you wouldn't normally associate with your typical taste and try to learn something from that, you know. You hear that, metalcore bands? Take notes on this one, please. (laughs) And death metal and thrash metal, everybody in between. So, but but let's get on the note of that new single, Paralyzed, which by the time this, uh, that we're recording this as mentioned, it's coming out December 2nd. By the time this this interview goes up, it'll already be out. Uh, But to quote your words from the promotional material, we were talking about how it's more personal lyrics. You said about the song that it's about how being a musician can sometimes be torturous and depressing because there's a climb to success that seems so insurmountable. That's a direct quote from the promotional material. Is that something that you feel that you've dealt with yourself throughout this project? Constantly, yeah. Um, Of course, there's always just so much work to do when it comes to um, competing to be heard, especially getting your music out there, having people hear it, even worrying about if they're going to like or not once they do hear it. Um, are you doing enough to promote it? And it's it seems very daunting sometimes, and it can it can be quite um, what's the word, um, you know, disencouraging. And I was just feeling a little bit of that while writing this song, and I was looking for a idea for the lyrics, but I was just I was just listening to how intense the music was, and I just thought I'd try to be a little bit more honest and put something more personal in there, whereas before, like a lot of my lyrics were more like sci-fi and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it it's it kind of explores a little bit of a darker place that sometimes our minds go to when we lose a bit of hope for that thing we really want to do. Um, but really, um, like like I said in the promo as well, my hope is expressed in the mere creation of this song. You know, like I'm still going to try to do this. I'm still going to be as consistent as possible and just, you know, power through. That's all we really can do. And I know that, uh, especially with this kind of topic, I think it's so important to really talk about because I know everybody at some point Especially like, uh, I think you mentioned this in the promotional material too. It's not just musicians that feel this. It's anybody uh, who is in that kind of mindset, whether it be with music, of course, or with uh, with, with video production and YouTube, or even in my case with podcasts. Uh, like everybody has that kind of, uh, goes through that point of, I don't, I, I don't know if, would you call it imposter syndrome or would you call it something else? Um, you know what? I, I, I keep hearing that term around lately and I do think it's a good, it's a good term for it. Sometimes I'm still not entirely sure what it means, but when I hear that, mm. I'm like, yeah, that's, 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 de- <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's definitely, <laughs> right. oh, it's right, right. It's, it hits the nail right on the head. Um, yeah. So when it comes, but obviously, you know, the future of one's dream is always uncertain, uh, but, you know, the hope of a bright future is, of course, always present, even if one's not realizing it at that time. Do you feel that is the case with Valkata's future? Yes. Um, I, I'm still, like, you know, honestly, really struggling to really get our stuff out there um, to be more recognized, uh, a little bit more widespread. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling all the time, but that it is that thing with a lot of independent, um, like, art projects that fuels them. 
at the same time you know it's 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 part of what gives me hunger it's part of what gives me excitement like how far can i take this and you know i mean even though this song is is quite dark and the themes are a, a lot about hopelessness like we already have a whole bunch of stuff coming on the back end of it you know so it just it's just an example of how i do like to express that in, in the lyrics um of hopelessness but also i just want to keep it moving forward also at the same time. With this new stuff coming down the pipeline, um, how much creative control do you that do you feel is entirely yours? Do you try to have so much creative control or do you try to spread it out as much as possible amongst the many musical minds that are accredited? Uh, it's funny you ask that question um, because today I'm actually expecting to hear a recording back from someone who I believe has done quite a bit of their own stuff with the material I've provided, more so than ever before. So I'm really excited to hear that today. Um, normally I prepare all of the parts very carefully and precisely and I send it to the musicians and there might be small details that they'll change but for the most part they're pretty happy with how it is and they'll play quite quite faithfully. Um, the drums are probably the things that change a lot um, because I'm very poor at writing drums and Jonas is the drum genius. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but a lot of the guitars um, are, are, are quite faithful to the original pieces that I wrote, except for like solos and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I usually leave solos and stuff up to the musicians. And also the vocals, of course, is really a lot down to the singer's personal interpretation of the lyrics and stuff. Um, because of course, with a singer, that's kind of your soul that you're putting into it. So I really don't like to like overly control that too much. Of course, especially when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to solos, especially, uh, I know there are some people that when they're, you know, they're solo musicians, they try to, they try to have that control over the solos. And when they send it off to somebody who can actually play it, they'll, they'll try to keep it like note for note, or they'll mm -hmm. allow a little bit of embellishment. But you're saying that for solos, you try to like encourage their own personality to come through in the solos. Totally. Yeah. Because I really, I have a very basic understanding of how a guitar works. Um, and when it comes to solos, I'm really completely lost. Now, for example, when I was working with Stilianos from um, Enemy um, Inside um, on the, the first album, uh, like he would write solos and I would contribute little ideas for the solos. Like, you know, maybe a little bit of shredding here would be good. Um, but I don't want to like or overly control it, like I said, and he just kind of nailed it really. So given that, uh, given that point right there, when you, is given that you are also the composer, uh, like how, how do you end up writing these? Like how, like, do you like sit down with like, uh, like a, a pad of sheet music or do you, ha do you use certain software to create the songs? I use a software called Guitar Pro. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, I'm very familiar with that. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, you understand how simple of a program that is to use, how 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 efficient it is. Um, you can really do revisions quite quickly. And every musician that I work with uh, knows how to use that. So um, I am considering seeing what other options are out there just in case like the support for that completely disappears and I'm left with no tools. Um, but for now, that's, that's, that's what I used to write. Um, and also my MIDI keyboard, just to get ideas out a little bit faster rather than just typing in things note for note on Guitar Pro. 
And on that note of pissing off all the elite guitar players out there, we're going to stop for now and pick up on this topic in the next episode. Oha Kate is our guest. The new single, Paralyzed, from the dark symphonic world of Valkata is out now. You can listen to it wherever you get your music. Uh, I'll also link the band's links in the podcast description for you to check out. I also, I do find it pretty interesting though, just going back to the interview, that these guys stepped away from the concept world that they were building for this song and uh, to dive into a more uh, personal kind of journey with the composer. I am very interested to see where these guys are going to go from the future, if they're going to stick down this road of being away from the concept or if they are going to come back to the uh, Valkata world at some point. Have to wait and see. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but... Only time will tell, and I'm excited to hear what's going to come out next. Okay, don't go away. We've got a lot more coming up, including Toronto-based instrumental prog band Jaude to talk about the new EP Chimera. And we're also going to take a look at what the fuck is going on with Motley Crue right now. But first, let's hear a word from the metal community itself. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. We'll be right back. Let's open the gates. For Astaroth has risen, and the demon has gone core. Wait, the story is the demon has gone core? I don't get it. Just wait for the drop. What the fuck? From the ashes of ascendance, Astaroth is born again. Enter the world of Sam Astaroth with his new song, Demon Core. Available on all streaming. This video available on YouTube. Links in the podcast description. 15 plus artists. Multiple cultures, multiple languages, one almost unpronounceable name. mother. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homoiousios. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homoiousios, a symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres? This week's Metal News Recap has been brought to you through the forceful energy of Corey Taylor's anger meter. Shit, he broke it. What the f***? Post your takes of the week's biggest stories with the hashtag MRPNews and let us know what stories we may have missed. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. And we're back in the Metal Robot newsroom that is fully protected from any bullshit that could possibly come crashing through the ceiling, is what I was supposed to say until this story came crashing through halfway through the construction of the shields. Could you not build it faster, robot, honestly? I could have, had you not downloaded 100 centibytes of porn. Okay, well, either way, we can't ignore this one. Let's talk about it. So Mick Mars is suing Motley Crue, and the story since this broke last week keeps getting weirder and weirder. We've also seen some new developments over this past week, that's why we're talking about it now, but to give you a bit of context, you see, last week, TMZ, everybody's worst fever dream ever, reported that former Motley Crue guitarist Mick Mars was suing his former band over his retirement from touring situation, which he alleges is Total bullshit. It was not necessarily a full retirement. He was kicked out of the band, which also means that his tour profits were slashed as a result. Also, apparently, Nikki Six doesn't play live, just to throw a bit more shade into the mix. Now, in the legal filing, Mars claimed that he did stop touring because of his ongoing battle with 
ankylosing spondylitis, a form of spinal arthritis that took me days to figure out how to pronounce. And I'm still pretty sure that of all the ways I could have mispronounced it, I chose a new one that was not discovered. But him backing out of touring apparently didn't actually mean that he wanted to stop recording new music or even to make a couple of appearances here or there as well. And yet he claims that the band had a meeting anyways and decided to kick him out of the band and also decided to cut his touring profits from 25% down to 5%, which is pretty bad already, it gets worse when you hear that apparently the band's legal team suggested that he should be grateful he's getting even 5% because they felt that he didn't even deserve a fucking penny. Now, since the suit was filed, Nikki Six has since responded on Twitter, calling it a, quote, sad day for us, and that they, quote, don't deserve this considering how many years that they've been propping him up. But it gets even weirder from there, and one worse. This week, in an interview with Variety, the crew's longtime manager of almost three decades, Alan Kovac, alleged that the suit is a smear campaign that he claims that was orchestrated by Mars's legal team, calling it elder abuse. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. I am laughing because I don't know anything about the gentlemen in Motley Crue. They all seem like stand-up citizens that would be great role models for the next generation, but they also seem like the kind of people who, while definitely are elders, also are collectively suffering from something called elder denial. Guys, we're talking about a band here whose singer still thinks he can perform like he's in the 80s, and a drummer who thinks that he's going to be on the next issue of the Firefighter calendar. Like, it might not be completely unreasonable to think that Mick Mars would be totally cool with being called an elder and alleging that he's being abused in a one-two-word phrase. Now, the interview does go on with Kovac saying that he's not going to turn people against Mars, also claiming that Motley Crue have been nothing but kind and generous to him and will continue to be going forward. Now, in all this, there's been a lot going on from both sides, but mostly the side of Motley Crue has been trying to put up the image of Hey man, we're the victims, but also we still hashtag love our boy. But still, there has been some support for Make a Mars. I'm not kind of surprised by that, uh, seeing as we know who fucking Motley Crue is. Most notably, support coming from KK Downing, comparing the shitstorm of Motley Crue, this whole situation, to his departure from Judas Priest. In an audio uh, recording sent to Blabbermouth, quote, I do sympathize with Mick because I'm going through exactly the same thing, and it's pretty unsympathetic savory, to say the least. After spending a lifetime building the band's name, reputation, popularity, and value, in particular brand name, it should be all right for people to retire, especially through illness. Adding that he wanted to speak from his experience in order to, quote, warn other musicians who could one day find themselves in a similar situation. Quote, I think to safeguard any other people that may be coming around to being in this position that may well be acquaintances of mine or even good friends of mine, I wouldn't like them to be in the same position. But of course, with this story, I'd love to hear from you on this. There's two sides to this. What are your thoughts on this, especially you listening on YouTube? Again, let me know what your thoughts are in the comments down below. You're 
And finally for tonight, we are going to sit down with Zhao Day. They're a Toronto-based progressive metal band and have just released their new EP, Chimera. Now, the thing about these guys is that they're also an instrumental progressive metal band. Not a single vocal line can be found on this band's sound in anywhere in the discography, at least not vocal lines that you would come to expect from music. And the, with these guys founded in 2016, the promo attached to the EP, it talks about them bringing diverse influences and genres into their sound. Now, that sounds promising, but a little bit behind the scenes here, this is something that we will usually see a lot in a lot of these promos, just to give you a bit of a behind the scenes of what is usually seen in these promo lists. But to be brutally honest to many of the bands out there, that's about as accurate as calling Black Sabbath a metalcore band. <laughs> I hate to be blunt, but it's usually true. It's kind of one of those catch-all phrases that is way overused and just and loses all meaning. So how true could it possibly be with these guys? Well, actually, funny thing is listening to this project, listening to the new EP, they do have something to offer for an instrumental band, and it's kind of surprising how well it works. So let's talk about that new EP now, uh, and also what else the trio will have in store for the future with Jaude drummer Spencer Robson on the Metal Robot Podcast. Spencer, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, for whatever reason, I decided today was the day I would be off my fucking med. So we're going to see how this fucking goes. So oh, first, I'm, I'm happy to be the guinea pig. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what everyone's <laughs> everyone's always <laughs> excited to find out how this goes. So before one thing I like to do uh, with uh, with new bands who come on the show who have maybe not been on the show before is to go in to introduce themselves. Who is I hope to God I'm pronouncing this correctly. Day. Who is Day? You're pretty close. It's Day. I mean, Rob always says you can pronounce it however you want, but technically it's Day. And it's a Twin Peaks reference. It's from season three. Won't give you any more details. You got to check that season out. It's really sick. Um, yeah, we are an instrumental, like heavy prog band from Toronto, Ontario. We more or less started in about 2016, released our first album in 2019 started gigging COVID happened that stopped and now we got a new EP that was just released almost a week ago um gigging a lot more really pushing hard in 2023 got a lot a lot more cool stuff coming up for the rest of the year so yeah that's us pretty much how did it feel to get back on the road on touring or like a gigging again after like the pandemic break that you were forced to have yeah it felt amazing honestly like Rob and I, who's he's the guitarist, I'm the drummer. We we started the band. We uh, I mean, went to theater school, so we're like trained performers. We're used to being on stage, so it's just kind of like nice to be able to do it in that way again. I mean, writing is always great. The downtime let us write a bunch of shit, but um, I mean, there's nothing like playing live, and we we really try to give her. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy about being back. Honestly, really really happy. That's always good. Yeah, I, I can ima only imagine because there's, there's no better. I know I have not performed on stage personally for anything, but okay. I, I but I do know for a fact being in the audience, experiencing the music live. There's yeah. no better feeling. Uh, you be yeah. if we could like be sitting down like headphones in, just like jamming out to whatever he bullshit heavy track we could think of. But yeah. it's never going to be feel the same as actually being in the audience. Yeah, totally. And you got to, um, you know, like when it, you can really tell when you're watching a band that's like really feeling it, too. So like we try to 
try to really give it live. I mean, I, I know I, I, as a drummer, I probably hit too hard if we're looking at it from like a technique standpoint, but like, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And I think like in a way that kind of like adds, but even if it doesn't, it's just what I like to do anyway. So I'm going to do it. Well, Hey, I mean, you're not the only one. I know a drummer uh, also from Toronto, Oliver Salentiel. I don't, even, I don't know if I pronounce his name correctly, but he, uh, that he was, uh, he's part of a project right now. Uh, I met him back when he was part of pterodactyl problems. He described his live drumming technique as like, hit the fucker as hard as you can until you can see yeah. fucking dust or like uh, sweat yeah. coming up, mist coming up in the room. Yeah. And that, it, hey, you know what? Whatever fucking works for a live performance. Now, you mentioned that uh, the name Jowday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. J- Jowday was inspired by Twin Peaks. But uh, you also mentioned that there's been multiple ways that people have pronounced it or like it's a bit, you know, you don't care too much about people pronouncing it correctly. So yeah. with that in mind, what are some of the most creative or bizarre ways that you've heard people pronounce the name. I mean, people add syllables for some reason. <laughs> like there was someone that was like J O Deo. And I was like, that's not, I don't know where you got the extra <laughs> O from, but Hey, listen, it's, it's fine. There was another band that introduced it, that introduced us like when they were opening and they were like J O Deo or fucking whatever. I don't know how to say it. Like they just said that right into the mic. And I was like, you know what? Be you, <laughs> you be, be you. you. Yeah. Oh man. Cause I know, I know, for me like I was looking at the name I was having trouble thinking about it and the Twin Peaks inspiration that caught me off guard I had not Mm -hmm. personally seen Twin Peaks and I feel like I need to get into it but uh, when I read uh J-O Day, Jow Day. I yeah. was going like, I was doing this for hours. Like, is that J-O Day? J-O Die? J-O Day? Listen, we we knew, like, we we knew how we spelled it. We knew that people were going to be like, I don't know what that says. But also, I mean, I'm sure you know, like, being in metal, like, I'd say yeah. a solid third of, of uh, metal bands have a name that's difficult to pronounce. So whatever, it comes yeah. with the territory and... You know, exactly. Exactly. So uh, one of the things I, I think is pretty interesting about this band is that it's instrumental. You don't get a whole lot of instrumental uh, bands out there uh, that 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 entice people pretty that extremely well outside of, of course, jazz. So how did you how did all of you guys first get interested in playing instrumental progressive metal music in the first place? And what were some of the earliest influences for your sound? I think like a lot of stuff with this band it it all just kind of happened um it kind of happened naturally i mean we didn't go into writing uh our our first songs thinking that we would be an instrumental band it was just like rob and i had some free time we went to school together we had these other projects going on and then we were like let's get together and write some metal and so it was as simple as like let's get in a room and play some music together and then when we started thinking about what else we wanted to do and thinking about what kind of vocalist we wanted like we sat down and tried to write lyrics ourselves and i used to be a vocalist in high school and i was like can i drum and do vocals at the same time like let's let's figure that out and and then it just kind of like fell apart and we were like, you know what, if we just like write things <laughs> a little bit more complicated, then it'll compensate for the lack of vocals. And I mean, that's not why we write the music that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, you know, it just kind of like happened naturally and we were happy with it. And there are some people that are like, oh, I really like want to do vocals in your band. But I, I take that more as like a, a compliment to the music instead of like the music needs vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope it doesn't anyway. I mean, like, listen, that's what it is. It's already out there. Instrumental band. So we try to keep it interesting without being, um, I don't know, without being noodly. Like we try to keep it heavy and like riff based and groove based. And, you know, I guess if it was like a prog influence, 
it's like more, and I'm not saying we sound like this band, but like it, it would be more on like the Meshuga side of things than on like the animals as leaders side of things. You know what I mean? Like a yeah, little yeah. bit more in like a, like a head Bobby thing than like a, holy shit, look at what they can fucking play kind of thing, which I guess is both bands really, but you know, what I, I mean, mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but as an instrumental band, you know, sometimes a lot of the uh, musical ideas and emotions that want to be conveyed, a lot of the time bands have a hard time doing that without a vocalist. So how yeah. do you guys as an instrumental band pull that off? Um, well, I think when Rob and I are writing, um, we'll come up with riffs ourselves. And what's great about Rob is that he's a, he, even though he's the guitar player, he's a, he's a great collaborator. He taught me how to use guitar pro. So I know how to use that. And like, we send riffs back and forth, which is really great. And I think it's just like, uh, our, our, it's stuff that we just like want to hear. And I think, uh, well, I try and do this when I'm, when I'm writing and I've, I've, I've been thinking about this a little bit more now. Uh, I, a little bit of like a storytelling aspect to it like not like a verse chorus verse but like there's something maybe in the opening riff that i want you to hang on to later on so you can kind of like track the song in a way like a motif kind of like yeah like a motif exactly uh and while still having some like broken expectation you know with time signatures or maybe throwing in like a different mood or a different melody so i think that's probably why um this that 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 would be my best kind of guess but again i'm just sort of like for me, I'm like answering that question because I don't know, like it just kind of happens naturally. I Sometimes I'm like coming up with answers and I'm like, I don't know how we do it. We just kind of like came up with it that way, which I think is kind of is kind of nice. It just feels right. And that's why we, we do it. Well, you also answered the question because you're the only one here. But I mean, like there's minor yeah, details. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we won't ask them. Let's get into the EP Chimera. It just came out. Uh, that in mid-March, it's out now for people to stream and download. What is the meaning behind the EP's title? Because I hear Chimera. First thing that comes to my mind is uh, the old Resistance games from uh, from the PlayStation days. You ever play that game? No, 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 no. I, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't uh, haven't played it, no. Oh, why is that? you were an Xbox kid, weren't you? You were a fucking Xbox kid, weren't you? <laughs> oh, I was like a PC kid. Oh! I, like, I didn't have, so I played, like, Dungeon Siege. Do you know <sighs> Dungeon Siege? No, because I wasn't PC Master race unfortunately <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. It, was kind of like, it was kind of like a diablo like spin-off game i don't know but i was obsessed with that game probably because it was the only one i had but yeah i'm a pc kid for sure what about runescape i know that was a big thing uh a long time ago uh, on the pc no 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 no. i didn't play that i didn't uh, play that either yeah so back to the ep with chimera yeah. <laughs> so after that adhd detour this is what happens yeah, when i'm yeah. off my meds what hey, <laughs> with, i followed you there there you go. Exactly. So with with the EP's title Chimera, what was the meaning behind it and how does it relate to the music? I mean, Chimera kind of feels like a bit of uh, I mean, less in terms of like what the word means and more like the images that it creates in your head. Like I, I think of I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the the band Chimera, which I actually really liked in mm. in high school and, and adding the A specifically in the EP just harkens. It just kind of like relates to our band name with the a um and it just has this kind of like these were our more like i guess aggressive songs i mean there are some like sweeter moments in it but like it has a lot of our like faster moments a little bit more tremelo picking you know um a little bit more like sporadic kind of like energy and um that just seemed like the perfect word to kind of sum up these three songs because we've had it we have like a bunch of them 
Uh, and we were trying to figure out which ones to put into an EP and which ones to put into an album. And it's just kind of like the way it fleshed out, it just seemed like the right. Like as soon as Rob said it, we were all just sort of like, yeah, that's the one. That's the name. And uh, can you tell us a bit about the writing and recording process for the new EP? Uh, like how does it differ from your previous work, Cass and Ash? Yeah, so Cass and Ash was a little bit more of Rob and I getting together and trying to figure out what kind of music we wanted to write. And I think we blended styles fairly well, but I listen back to that album and I hear songs that I wrote and I hear songs that Rob wrote and I see two different styles, not completely different, but I can totally see the difference. Whereas we really kind of like, I mean, I can only speak for myself. So like Rob's writing style really influenced my own writing style because like his riffs really challenge me as a drummer to try and think of something that both suits the riff and kind of like is in and, and is also memorable. So this one is a lot more of like a blend of styles. And um, we wrote a lot of it over the pandemic, just like shooting riffs back and forth. And, uh, you know, we both have full time jobs, so it took a while for things to flesh out. But I think that's a huge benefit. Like by the time we got down to like recording everything, we were both like, yeah, these songs are it. Like we've been listening to these songs and working on these songs for like two, maybe two plus years. So if we hated them, we would have scrapped them because it's been two years. And then by right. the time we recorded them, we were like, well, these I still like playing these songs. You still like playing these songs. That means there there's probably something to it. And then we recorded drums in 2021 in December at the Taurus Recordings in Toronto with Jesse Turnbull. He was really sick. He's a really good engineer. It's like a great drum room. Um, I used his uh, blue Ludwig Vista lights, which were really sick. Those are great drums to play. Um, yeah, great experience. And then uh, guitar tracking, bass. Rob did that all at home. He does all the mixing and mastering, which is really lucky for me because uh, I could be nitpicky and he could be nitpicky too. And we could take as long as we want. And we took a while. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, that is kind of what happens when you're when you're like you're like one thing I learned of over the years is that you are your own worst critic. So you're going to be looking at everything that you have created and you can be like, yeah, well, that is going to be objectionable. Meanwhile, like some random Joe Schmo walking into the rooms like, hey, that snare sounds great. No, it doesn't. It never does. That's exactly it. And like you could you could get yourself in a hole and never get out of it. I mean, you could have recorded like hundreds of songs and never release them because you're obsessing over, for example, like what you just said, the snare sound. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point, I mean, it, that's why it's good to have two people, because at some point you're just sort of like, I think this is it. And also getting the Black Throne guys involved um, was kind of like incentive to kind of like put something together and actually release it. And we'll cut it off for now and check back with Xiao Day in a later date. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss out when that comes out. That, of course, was Spencer Robson of Xiao Day. A big thanks to him for coming on the show uh, and talking about the new EP. Now, before someone says it, because I feel like someone's going to say it, but Tom, why start it off by saying you're off the meds? You sound fine. I don't sound fine now by doing that voice impression of you, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the truth is, honestly, you never know. It's just kind of a warning I give sometimes whenever I'm doing an interview on a day where I don't take my meds. Because ADHD and I, we have an interesting relationship. And especially when I'm talking with people at any point, it's impossible to tell at all times whether we'll be able to stay on topic or we'll take the train so far off the rails we go airborne. <laughs> 
it's hard to tell, really, and it's always an adventure for everyone involved. The new EP is Chimera. It is out now. Go check it out on streaming and Bandcamp. I have a link to the band's Bandcamp as well in the podcast description. Check it out if it piques your fancy. You just listened to NRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. And we end as we began, but before we start staggering our way out the doors to our normal lives, here's what we got planned for the next episode. Valkata returns to talk about their song Paralyzed. Also, Colin Sterling of Thrasher's Paradise comes back to talk about a new topic. What is an album that we thought ate shit, but then grew to be the shit? All this and more in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter, at the metal robot instagram at the dot metal robot you can also check out everything metal robot on our online hub themetalrobot.com, along with how to get in contact to get your music on the show special thanks of course to zhao day and valkata for coming on the show and to you for putting up with my bullshit every episode i'm tom mckay if you enjoyed this episode and you want more be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts and i'll see you in the mosh pit next time have a good night